Welcome to It's All Connected, a Marvel Studios podcast brought to you by MCUExchange.com. It's all connected. Everything. everyone and we're back for an early episode an early in days of the week and early in time uh this is russ and with me is matthew this is it's all connected episode 86 yeah this one will not quite be as long as our two and a half hour extravaganza <laughs> that we did for episode 85 yeah uh but we had a lot to cover on that episode and little less so with this episode Definitely, yeah. Uh, so we got a little bit of news. We'll talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. bouncing back, and then we'll go over some feedback that we got uh, a little bit of Facebook feed, uh, Facebook feedback, a little bit of Twitter feedback, and then somebody left us a new iTunes reviews review that we'll talk about. So, uh, so first off, uh, as we record this on March the 9th, <laughs> of course, on March the 10th, we are going to be getting a new Civil War trailer, which was teased today. Yeah, they're really killing us. I know. We need to line these up with our podcast a little more. What are they thinking? I'm sure you've seen the promo for it. It's really, it's yeah. kind of this mm-hmm. um, artsy, like, uh, I don't even know how to describe like quick cut. Uh, yeah. You know, sort of like, um, like to me, it looks like if a character was having like a mental breakdown yeah. in, a, in a gritty movie or something, or like, you know, there's just sort of like flashes of the characters and some of them switch between their you know, their alter egos. Yeah. Like showing them in suit and out. And then, uh, you know, there's the chanting from the Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. And there's, there's a cap version and an Iron Man version. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. The only, um, the only thing I thought was weird, and I don't think this means anything whatsoever, but just thought I'd mention it is that, you know, like I said, they show everybody in and out of costume. Like they do a flash and show each person's like face and their costume. If they have one, but for some reason, War Machine, they just show him in costume. Yeah. And they don't show his face, which I was maybe going to speculate about. But the we also got some character posters a few days ago. And that clearly has, like, you know, Rhodey out of the mask. Like, all those are everybody out of their masks. Yeah, yeah. Except for Falcon, for some reason, who has the goggles on in his. But um, so, I don't know. I, I was about to spin some crazy theory about him being you know, not in the movie and it just being like a robot war machine. But I, I don't think <laughs> maybe it was just some oversight or something to not show his face. But yeah, who knows? Maybe if they did these separate, maybe he just wasn't available. Yeah, you know, if they that's did reshoots true. or something like that, maybe they definitely look like specifically shot. Yeah. Uh, like close up. Yeah. So yeah, maybe they just couldn't grab him for the close up and they were like, ah, whatever. We'll just show him his war machine thing. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, there's rumor that, uh, it may that the trailer may show Spider-Man or ha- Spider-Man may be heavily featured. And I don't. Yeah, that, there's been a bit of a rumor floating around and I don't think we've covered it yet on the MCU exchange. Um, but it was it was mentioned today in the like article about these promos since it's premiering tomorrow, just because it's been talked about. It's a possibility um, because a lot of people are saying that apparently he was almost in the Super Bowl trailer, but they cut him at the last minute. And the rumor is that we'll see Peter Parker, but not Spider-Man. Huh. Interesting. So we'll see him out of costume. But, I mean, 
who knows? I mean, we'll find out tomorrow. Yeah. But unfortunately, we can't talk about it for a week. As you listen to this, you will know the answer to this question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'll be like, what are they talking about? Of course he is or isn't in this trailer. And we talked about it before, but I'm totally fine with not getting the Spider-Man reveal until the movie comes out. Me too. I would prefer it, yeah, to I'm, be honest. That doesn't bother me at all. Um, yeah, there's plenty going on, and I think it'll have much more impact. They don't need it for the marketing whatsoever. So I just I think it would be a waste of a cool reveal for everybody in the theater to together be like, <gasps> you know, or boo or whatever. Yeah, it is yeah. See them. But yeah, to have to drop it in the trailer just for people to buzz about it online. I mean, the movie doesn't need it at all. Doesn't need any more, you know, that's not going to bring any more people into the fold that already aren't co- going to see it. So yeah, and for the most part. I've heard different theories on the costume. I don't buy the the some of the theories that are just like it's like a hoodie and you know some of this other stuff or uh you know I'm I'm not dismissing the fact that he may get some sort of armored version of his costume, you know, because he he uh you know, if he if he meets up with Tony, but I mean for the most part if they stick somewhat to the to the traditional Spider-Man costume, I mean the only real you know, big thing the reveal gives you is just Spider-Man with the rest of the Avengers. You know, I mean, looking at Spider-Man in a costume that's very similar to probably how it was in the Raimi films or even in the the last batch, you know, it's probably going to be a quick cut. You're probably not going to be able to tell the difference anyway. So, yeah, I mean, there's only there's only so much you can do. It's the same thing with the comics. I mean, the biggest thing they've done in the comics recently is give him like glowing eyes and a glowing emblem. Yeah, yeah. And that's about it. I mean, you know, all the big, like, to me, cool variations on the Spider-Man costume always go to other characters. Yeah. Um. So it's it's one of those things where I, I doubt, you know, we're not going to see him in like a black and red costume or, you know, it's going to be red. It's going to be blue. It's going to have webs on it. It's uh, yeah. I mean, there's only there's only minor tweaks they can really do. Um, so yeah, I just, it would just be cooler in the moment because it's only going to mean so much in the quick flash we see, but it'll mean a lot more just seeing him in general in the movie. Yeah, I agree. For the first time. Uh, it looks like, uh, the actress, I'm not familiar with her, but her name is Zendaya and she's, Mm -hmm. she's joined the cast of Spider-Man. They're saying, uh, as a character named Michelle, who there's there's some speculation around who she may or may not be. I know at first it was she was going to be in a starring role, and now the the word is she's not in a starring role, but in kind of like a supporting role. Yeah, they were saying that it wouldn't be a love interest, and that it would set something up for future films, meaning that she'll appear in future films. I I don't really know what I mean. Again, it's it's vague, but apparently she's a uh, she's been in some Disney Channel stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I have no idea who she is, but I guess she's also a singer, hence the single name, uh, no last name. <laughs> right, right. Or no first name, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I it doesn't mean much to me one way or another. Um, for a second, I was sort of interested because I would like the idea if the love interest wasn't just Gwen Stacy or Mary Jane, um, just to deviate from that and you know, set a different precedent from the movies we've already seen. Um, but if she's not a love interest, I guess it still leaves the door open for one of them to, you know, be rebooted as well. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't really give us much. Still early. Yeah. Uh, the next 
piece of news we have is uh, so a little more talk about Stallone's character in Guardians of the Galaxy. And apparently somebody saw him on set dressed in a costume that looked very much like his Judge Dredd costume. So mm-hmm. people are speculating, well, is it just kind of like a tongue in cheek, you know, reference to his Judge Dredd? Is, is basically he going to show up kind of in a like a, just a funny cameo and then just you know, people walk by him or whatever and just kind of do the double take or right. Are they just confusing the Nova? Right. You know, which is a uniform f- with, with that. Yeah. Which is a far more interesting uh, implication. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we were talking last week and it seemed like it was going to be a funny cameo, but if he is indeed in a Nova core outfit, then I, I don't know. That's sort of, um, it seems like it would have to be more than just like a little joking cameo. Cause that's sort of like a big piece of lore that they might want to establish in the future. So yeah, I don't know if it's, um, I don't know if they're eyeing him for a bigger future part or if it will just be some sort of funny thing where he's in a Nova courts, Nova core outfit and they'll reference the judge dread thing. But I don't know, you know, who knows? He won't actually be a, It'll be like a outfit he stole, or it'll be you know, yeah, disheveled or something. It'll just be some like homeless guy, basically. Or, <laughs> you know, they'll they'll find some way to make a joke where it's, you know, a Judge Dread joke, but he's in a Novacore outfit, so it, you know, looks a little more in universe. But yeah, who knows? I mean, it could it could signal that it's a little bit bigger of a part than we thought. Yeah, absolutely. And it could be maybe he's taken over the part from you know Peter Serafinowicz and John C. Riley. Maybe instead of having. Uh, you know, well, I mean, one of them obviously wouldn't be in the sequel, but we haven't seen anything that John C. Riley is back. So it, yeah. it could be maybe they're just kind of instead of getting two different, you know, people to play two different Nova characters that maybe they're going to use him to to kind of. Right. And he could still just be the cop character and they maybe he's a bumbling cop and it's funny because it's Sylvester Stallone as right. like a bumbling cop. Um, but we do know that Glenn Close will be back as Nova Prime. Right. So that does, you know, open the door for some sort of Nova presence of some sort in the film. Yeah. So I would assume it's not just her by herself. I would assume she has, you know, Nova Corps people with her. So, right. Um, yeah. Apparently there's rumor that there's a Howard the Duck scene that's that's going to be in this, too, to kind of take off from the post credit scene we saw at the end of the first movie. Yeah. Again, it's it's like a loose thing. Nobody. It's just like one report that somebody says that there is that they've heard that there's a Howard the Duck scene uh, that's being shot. So um, I don't know. I I could believe it, but I could also see why that wouldn't be the case. Um, obviously, it proved kind of like a fun, popular thing. And I kind of think what they're going to do with the Guardians universe is open up a little bit more of like the crazy side of the Marvel universe. It lets them do a lot more like funny, jokey, sort of weird characters. So it's totally possible that, that there's a little bit in there continuing on with, you know, Howard the Duck from the first movie. And I don't think we'll ever see a Howard the Duck movie or him play a prominent role in any of the movies, but I certainly don't see it out of the realm of possibility that he has like a, another fun little cameo since he continually has like a comic book you know, Marvel continually like pushes him. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't be that far fetched. Uh, and then this is a bit that you put in there, Matthew. So I'll, I'll probably let you expand on this a little bit, but, uh, Chadwick Boseman says he's 
quote, a Black Panther, end quote. Yeah, he so he did this, you know, right now they finally lifted the embargo on all the set visits for Civil War. So everybody's publishing all these, you know, just tons of interviews and, and buried in all those interviews is little nuggets of stuff. So definitely check out MCU Exchange to, you know, we've done a you know pretty good job, all the writers of, of combing through that and finding the pertinent information. But one of the interesting ones that I noticed was they were talking to him about who he is in the film. And we talked a couple weeks back about how he said in an interview he was a prince of Wakanda, so he's not yet the king. And we were wondering how he could take the Black Panther mantle without being the ruler of Wakanda. Um, and so he, he reiterates in this that he's a prince and that he's not really a superhero. He's just a warrior from Wakanda. And when they ask if he's... They ask about him being the Black Panther, he says he is a black panther and i think he says it twice um so again that sort of bounces off what we were talking about a few weeks ago that marvel must be changing things up a little bit because traditionally uh there's one black panther though um t'challa's sister shuri has also been the black panther uh the two of them together so i guess it's not unheard of for there to be two black panthers but it seems as if his father is still alive and is the black panther like the ruler but he is somehow also t'challa is somehow also a black panther um so i i I don't know what that really means necessarily but again just sort of confirmation on that idea that not only is he just the prince but he is more there are more than one black panther currently right so i don't know really what that means and i have a feeling from all the stuff he was saying in the interview it seems like we're not really going to get to know his character until his solo movie. Yeah, that's kind so, of I'm I'm thinking yeah, the same which thing. of course. Yeah. Um so he's just sort of functioning he's he's a cog in the wheel of civil war. Right. Um and he'll have an arc but we won't and we'll get to know him a little bit but obviously we won't get to know a lot about his history and and he reiterated that we won't be seeing Wakanda in civil war. So which again makes sense. There's just, you know, too much going on. Right. Right, right. I guess that's another thing that came out as a running time was released for Civil War, which I guess is a hundred and what are they saying, hundred and forty six minutes? Yeah, I think it yeah, yeah. Two hours twenty six minutes. Yeah. So this will be which the I longest. I think they're saying the longest one, yeah. Yeah. It's a hefty it's a hefty film. Yeah, yeah. Which which makes sense given everything we know about it. Yeah, I, I have a feeling this is gonna be one of those, yeah, it's a long quote unquote long running time, but I think you're gonna get I think it's not gonna feel like it's a long movie just with everything going on. No, yeah, I don't think so either. I think there's gonna be from everything they've talked about, it seems like there's a lot of very distinct arcs, both for the characters and the overall plot. So it it really does seem like we're going to get like a, you know, like maybe five or six solid acts of a film. And yeah, I think each one will uh, be very interesting and intense. So I'm, I'm totally for that. I mean, if they can manage to make it coherent and interesting, which I, you know, have faith that they will, um, then I think that's good because I'd rather them make it a little longer so that they can focus on all these characters and their arcs and stuff rather than cut it out and it just being like, you know, an o- one general plot and some fight scenes and then that's it. Yeah. So. Yep. yep. The next uh, piece of news we have is kind of an, it's a MCU that hashtag show exclusive and 
Uh, yeah, another one. Another one. Another one. They're, they've been coming fast and furious. Uh, yeah, we've been doing lately. some little collaboration with them. So that's good. Uh, just corroborating um, scoops. Yeah, so this is a breakdown for Iron Fist, and uh, it looks like the, the main, the gist of the story is that there's uh, some casting breakdowns for a character named Devin, a character named Christine, a character named Walter, and a character named Jody. And, uh, you know, given the looks that they're looking for for these characters... The thought is, is that, you know, again, I'm sure with some of this stuff, when they put out casting announcements, it's meant to obfuscate and obscure, you know, characters that may or may not be in the show, um, you know, to kind of help, you know, because ultimately, if you're if you're casting for it, you you probably don't really care that the t- character's name is, you know, A versus B. But so I guess the wisdom is, is that Devin is actually going to be Davos and uh, Davos is the son of Lecun the Thunderer, which he is like the leader of of. Uh, Kunlun and has a very large part to play in the origin of Iron Fist and the kind of the mythology of Kunlun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and he's sort of an antagonist to Iron yeah. Fist, isn't he? To Danny, yeah, because he um, he was kind of the heir apparent. You know, he was the one right. that was supposed to get the power of the Iron Fist. And when Danny Rand right. came in and and was able to to kind of snatch it from him, it it put the two of them at odds. Yeah, and again, I mean, that's sort of <clears throat> it's like we were talking about last week. I, I think those are where we're going to get the opportunities to explore the difference between Danny being white and all these other characters being Asian and maybe seeing that, you know, this birthright is, is more there. So again, I mean, we have to wait and see till the show comes out, but there's already that, that connection right there uh, to explore those ideas. And if they make Davos like a really interesting and rich character, rather than just like a mustache twirling villain, then, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for some social commentaries and comparisons there. So, yeah. So we had our Misty Knight in Luke Cage. Now it looks like we may have our Colleen Wing. So mm-hmm. it looks like the character Christine, the the conventional wisdom is that she is going to be Colleen Wing, who Misty and Colleen. Now, granted, Misty's going to show up in Luke Cage. Colleen will be in potentially if this is if this pans out, will be an Iron Fist. Uh, so I'm super excited to know that we're going to have both Misty Knight and Colleen Wing in the on the Netflix side of things, at least, because I love both of those characters. They've been around for an extremely long time, uh, and their history weaves in and out of the Heroes for Hire uh, over time. Yeah, and another, you know, like really cool opportunity to have another spinoff show, potentially. Sure. Um, maybe instead of Luke and Danny doing Heroes for Hire, it's just misty and colleen sure. from the get-go yeah which would maybe make a little more you know sense in the scheme of things for the show um and of course that's a few more characters to add to the defenders lineup um a few more female characters uh, a few more poc characters so yeah it's uh and i think she's been rumored for a while to be on it so it sort of seems like a safe bet that she'll be in the show yeah i'd be i'd be really surprised if if she doesn't if she isn't yeah. to be honest with you definitely uh, and then the last two were for two characters, one named Walter and one named Jody. And I guess the wisdom for that is that they are Joy and uh, Walter or Joy and Ward Meacham. Mm-hmm. And I'm not as familiar with those two characters. Yeah, I, I'm not others. either. I've 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 been uh, cramming the past few months on like Iron Fist backstories, so I know that uh, I believe Walter Meacham, who I, I think maybe Joyce's wife and Ward's son. I think they have something to do with 
I, I shouldn't even get into it because there's going to be listeners screaming at us. Yeah. But uh, basically, I think they're just tied to, um, to Danny's parents. Um, and I think they might uh, sort of act as foster parents to him um, after the death of, of his parents. But again, I probably shouldn't say any of this stuff without knowing what I'm talking about. But that's just me not knowing a ton about um like the original Iron Fist backstory. Oh yeah, that's right. So yeah, uh, Ward is um, Harold. So Harold is the brother. That that's right. Harold is the brother, and he's the one that had um, that had Danny Rand's father, Wendell Rand, killed on okay. on the trip to Kunlun. So right. they factor in in that war. Like um, Harold was like the business partner and. Uh, head of of Danny of, of Wendell Rand's company, and so they they kind of factor in there. So that yeah, that makes sense. That, that yeah, it's, he's got kind of a busy backstory. There's a lot of uh, figures and uh, fathers and grandfathers and 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 they've kind of tweaked a lot of that stuff. A lot of the yeah, kind of the Danny Rand origin Kun Loon stuff has been tweaked over time. It was kind of, I would say, updated and modernized with the Fraction and uh, and Brubaker run, right? You know, where they kind of just took some of these concepts and and updated them and added some stuff in there. Which, I mean, if you're really wanting to get a good handle on the character of Iron Fist, you'll you won't do any better than reading the uh, the Brubaker and uh, Fraction run of Iron Fist because it is just it's some of the best comics I've read in a long time. Yeah, and I think that that's more likely to factor into the the show. I would think. And, and I mean, as far as this, like breaking down these things, I think what's important is even though he's got this sort of convoluted backstory, obviously they're going to streamline that and rewrite it a bit for the show. So it's almost sort of maybe a little pointless to speculate on all these different relationships at yeah, this point because yeah. they're going to kind of take it in their own way. So I think it's just safe to say that they're probably – you know, related to the mystery of his parents' death and probably also serving as maybe a foster family of sorts for him, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, So next up we have, so it looks like Iron Fist may appear in the 13th episode of Luke Cage. (laughs) Yeah, there's been a couple of reports about this. That wouldn't surprise me. No, not at all. I mean, again, he's, well, I, Obviously, Jessica Jones is probably the most obscure out of all of them. Yeah. But I, I think, and and that's why to me it was a bit of a surprise that they put her show out second without like teasing her in any way. But obviously that was successful, so it doesn't matter. It worked. And chances are anything Marvel and Netflix do separately, let alone together, is going to be successful. So this might not be a concern, but it's you know it sort of makes sense the way they're building things up and the history between luke and danny that they want to at least tease him or introduce him in some way before his show comes up tease their connection um i feel like a lot of people would be disappointed if there wasn't some connection between the two of them yeah um and my thought is probably that the iron fist stuff is going to be very disconnected in a lot of ways from new york and kind of take its own path so they might not really have a place for luke cage to appear in that so it might make more sense for danny to appear in in luke's show Sure. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, it it makes sense. And then the the argument is that the reason we're hearing about Finn Jones, period, is because he's already wrapped that for Luke Cage, because I think Luke Cage is very close to wrapping up production, um, maybe in the coming like week or two. So basically, the story got out because it was only a matter of time before something leaked. Um, but I don't, I don't know that Marvel has Marvel actually officially announced Finn Jones. No, they haven't. Right. So that, that theory doesn't hold a ton of water because the idea was that that room, none of the, all these things are still rumors. So the idea that that information is coming out, Finn Jones information is coming out because it would have leaked anyway, just doesn't necessarily make sense unless Marvel's on the verge of announcing both of those things consecutively. But I don't know at this point, it, it's probably going to happen and everybody pretty much knows about it. So I don't know. I think Marvel's probably just waiting, you know, for daredevil to come out sure. before they announce that, um, that sort of stuff. And at that point we'll all have already known about it for months. <laughs> yep. Yep. So staying on the, on the Netflix front, the latest, I guess, mini trailer or whatever you want to call it, the promo spot. We actually saw it yeah. on, uh, on agents of shield, uh, surprisingly, it was uh, a pretty good look at the costumes for Daredevil, Punisher, and Elektra. It was that's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of like this little montage uh, of of each of them. So we got a kind of a probably the best look that we've seen, especially at the Punisher, because we haven't really seen anything official or even in behind the scenes stuff or people that have taken set photos and things where where the Punisher has had the skull logo on his chest. Right. It's been kind of like peeking out barely, yeah. but. This is the first blatant, like, it's 100% there. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think a few days ago maybe they released posters that showed them off. And then they released this sort of, like, uh, yeah, it's like you say, it's more like a sort of little montage with the voiceover just showing, like, the three of them, like, kind of moving around in their costumes. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's basically the look we've seen of, of Punisher all black with the duster but then he he definitely has like a like body armor with the white skull like spray painted on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I mean, it looks like you know, I mean, it looks like the Punisher. It's the same skull. I mean, I guess the only difference is it's not it's not like a T-shirt. It's obviously something he made, and it's over body armor, which you know makes sense because he's he, going to get shot at. <laughs> he needs armor. Yeah. So I mean, it's um, yeah. I mean, it looks cool. It looks uh. It looks really good. <clears throat> yeah, the, I didn't see. T- I mean, they, everybody keeps saying that there's been changes to the Daredevil costume. I really need to do a good side by side comparison because they seem, if they're changes, they seem extremely subtle to me. And we, yeah, I've been having a hard time placing it. Yeah, but... we we never really got a good look. I mean, I've looked back at the end of of that last episode of Daredevil many times to try and just get a good solid look, but it's all at night. It's very dark. It's mm-hmm. we never really get a good look. Uh, at at that costume so yeah it, it the to me the way it looks different is maybe they they fixed some of the way it moves um it, it looks like he's maybe moving and a little more streamlined in it yeah. than he was uh, in the last episode a little and more black maybe yeah it does look like more black and it looks like the ear things that were really really weird on the first one looks like they've changed those a little toned them down um, and then the only other thing that I've really noticed, and I actually am not a fan of this, unfortunately, is his eyes are like red. There's some sort yeah. of like red 
covering over it. They, it's like shiny red eyes, which is very distracting, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, there it is. Um, so that was really, to me, the only big thing I noticed is when you, I don't know if you see it in that, but there's a couple of shots, like still shots. And yes, you can see he's got these sort of like bulging, shiny red, you know, plastic pieces in there for, for his eyes, which, um, it's a little weird, but yeah. And then Electra's is, it's also subtly different. We more get like a better look of it than we've seen. Yeah. But she also has like a black bandana versus the red one, which we were talking about last week. Yeah. Um, and definitely some armor in some spots. A little more red on hers, too, than I think we initially saw. Yeah, definitely. Which is weird. They swap out the mask for black, but then there's more red everywhere else. But again, it's it's definitely the biggest deviation in terms of costume. But I, again, I think that makes sense. She has a, a very impractical costume in the comics so uh i mean it looks cool there's no doubt about that so i mean again i never have a problem with them changing costumes as long as they actually look good so um yeah i was a fan of of all three of them yeah i totally agree um so last bit of actual news news uh that we have before i have something a little extra i threw in uh is nate moore was discussing the film and TV crossover aspects of it. And so again, this is something you put up there, Matthew. So I'll let you uh, elaborate. Yeah. It's just like a little blurb. Again, it's something we've talked about over and over and, but he's a producer for Marvel and, you know, he was basically saying the same thing. Like eventually we hope that they can cross over, but the problem is that the TV production schedule is much more accelerated um, because of how they, you know, just how TV works. Um, And that, they don't necessarily want to like step on the toes of the TV people by establishing, you know, some sort of version of one of the TV characters in the show. And like, so again, it's just, it's again tied to the sort of logistics of making a TV show versus a movie and everybody communicating. And um, I, I, there was even a separate interview I remember from a few days ago where somebody was talking about civil war and I think it was maybe the writers of Civil War. Yeah, it was, they were saying it was Marcus and Mephili, right? And they were saying they weren't caught up on Inhuman storyline from Shield, which again is just like pretty much heartbreaking confirmation that, and even more so given kind of the one of the uh, characters in in the uh, episode of Shield we're going to talk about. It's it's again just becoming sort of ridiculous that the things that are happening in civil war and the things that are happening in shield couldn't be more connected. And yet it seems like it's going to be very one-sided when it comes to referencing those things. Yeah. The only, the only bit I'll put in there is the interview was from back in April. Uh, so season right. three or season two of agents of shield wasn't even finished yet. The The second half of it kind of just premiered. Right. So the concept of the fish oil at that point was like, right. But, but that's sort of the inherent problem, I guess. Yeah. Is that yeah. We're told that they both operate in real time and we're right. obviously going to see some sort of connection to civil war on the exact week that it's in theaters on shield. So we can assume that they're both, the events are happening in the beginning of May, you know, roughly, uh, on, on the show and in the movie. And they're certainly going to reference the movie in the show. But again, it's frustrating that, and, and we know this is true because the movie was written and filmed 
like you say, before all this stuff even happened to S.H.I.E.L.D., but right. the fact that nobody sort of communicated ahead of time, like, hey, you know, there's going to be uh, some power people popping up. And uh, the president that we've established in Iron Man 3 is going to address the nation about them. And people in general seem to kind of know that there's like an alien threat yeah, yeah. of some sort. And and that would be a pretty big factor in this whole Civil War Accords thing. And yet it's pretty clear that we're not going to hear that even referenced. Yeah, the only the thing I'll say is that one of the things that when they talked about the, the comic Civil War versus the movie Civil War is in the comic it was centered around heroes having to identify themselves and come out publicly. Right. And you know, one of the aspects of the Mar- of the MCU is these people don't really have private identities. I mean, right. you know, there, there's not really a concept of of a secret identity. Um, and so it's more about oversight. And so I think what they're, what they're pushing is if you're going to operate in this quasi governmental method, then you're going to be, you're going to have to have some sort of oversight. And I, I guess with shield, you kind of get away with it because they're kind of like, especially after this latest episode, and we'll talk about this in a bit, the president's kind of pulled them back into the fold, even if it's unofficially. So they're sure. Sure. And that's a, I mean, again, that's kudos to the TV crew for finding a way to sort of like to me that's just them basically being like look we the movies are probably never going to reference this for yeah. a long time so there's got to be an in-universe reason and we'll come up with it i mean they're doing the heavy lifting mythology yeah. wise yeah which is you know and of course you know they rarely get the credit for that but i, I mean to me the only sort of like like bugbear i have with it is that you know, if there's this worldwide alien threat that the president of the United States is addressing, it seems like that would kind of come up in the general discussion that's being had in Civil War. And yet, I agree. I feel confident that it won't, um, which, you know, isn't a huge thing. There's lots of ways, like you're saying, that we could sort of like explain that away. But it just sort of their whole thing about being connected and and th- this is all one universe and that's sort of the whole pitch for shield as a show in the first place it just sort of gets watered down when shield's doing these huge things and it's doing really good things and yet these things aren't referenced even just in the tiniest way i mean you know just the all, all they'd have to do is make a very vague reference to something you know they wouldn't yeah. have to know the exact story beat but it's just that thing that now that we're seeing the president, you know, the president of the Marvel universe on shield, there's a good chance that that guy's never going to pop up in the movies again. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that seems to be the MO unless you're Peggy Carter. Right. And um, yeah, or, or uh, Jamie Alexander, but uh, right. But that's sure. Sure. But yeah. that's almost more of her just making a cameo. Right. Right. It's safe to say that that president, he, the actor, like his steady job now isn't in the films. It's in the show. Yeah, I agree. And and that's, and which is cool for, for the show. It's a cool get. Yeah. And maybe he never would have shown up. I mean, he was only in Iron Man three and they needed a president. It's, you know, they might have not have ever thought past that. Like, Oh, this is the president. They were just like, well, you know, he's the president of Iron Man three and we're never going to see the president again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Again, it's a tiny thing, and it's the same sort of discussion we always have. But yeah, but as we get closer, it, you know, this was sort of the perfect moment. I feel like for them to make a reference. So I just, if it can't happen now, I just kind of don't see it ever happening because it would require some sort of cooperation and 
and foresight. And as more of these projects come about, it just it seems more and more impossible. But then it seems like we're going to get more and more of these sort of plot holy moments where they should connect. but They don't. So, yeah, I, I just wonder if they ever plan on doing something about the nature of that instead of pretending that like yeah it's all still one universe yeah yeah it, it and it's not like you could get away with it on the netflix side because that stuff is so disconnected from the movie side sure it's just little it's just right it's small time things yeah. almost happening in the in a city too. yeah totally and, and you can make reference and it's fine the problem with shield is it's directly pulled from the movie i mean the reason that show exists is because of the avengers movie and because of right you know colson and what happened to him so yeah, for, for it to be so tied to that uh, to that universe, and now to see it just so it, it it's turned into like the Netflix thing where everything's kind of casually referenced, uh, more casually right. referenced than than in the Netflix side. But yet it's it's not it's not the other way around. So right, and yeah, I mean it's just uh, and, and like you said, the, like Avengers and Captain America especially are very tied to the events of yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D. and the things that happen. So it, it's – and again, it's not like this is happening in some other country. I mean it's happening right – you know, yeah. there's it, – it's impossible that these characters wouldn't interact in some way. Yeah. I hold out hope that Infinity War, since they're pulling out all the stops and it's kind of seen as the, the granddaddy, the conclusion of everything that's come, that somehow they, these guys will fit in. So. I do too, but you know, logistically, they're filming that and writing that like now. Yeah, you know, and so by time it comes out, we're talking about season five of Shield. So it's just like that, you know, it would require an incredible amount of wrangling. Yet at the same time, the whole thing with Shield was they had to hold off on this whole Hydra reveal for the right. first season. So they were clearly in season one, like bound by this but and you could make an argument that because they were bound by that that was actually a negative thing for the show so that wouldn't be good for them to be bound to like a two-year story based on what's going to happen in infinity war yet at the same time obviously shield will reference infinity war it has to it's going to have like a huge impact on on the show and and it's sort of a little difficult to imagine what that impact is going to be on the netflix show because they're so grounded but to imagine that you have this like amazing task force and you have a whole team now of super powered people that work for the government even as a black ops group and those aren't going to show up to help fight in this global war is just like yeah that would obviously that would be the final nail in the coffin of them ever connecting but yeah yeah i guess we have to wait a couple years to see whether that pans out we'll which is see. sort of this yeah same sort of thing but anyway uh so the last little bit of news, I, I guess if you call it news, I want to talk about is uh, on three fifteen, which is this coming Tuesday, uh, Marvel's going to release, and I've talked about in Marvel Disney Infinity on the on the podcast before Disney Infinity, um, but you know one was kind of the Disney characters, two was the Marvel side of things they brought in to the to the product, the three for the most part has been the Star Wars release, um, but they're not. Uh, They've come out and said John Vignocchi's come out, who's the the head of Disney, uh, the the video game division of of Disney, has said you know there's not going to be any kind of retail box release. There's no Disney Infinity 4.0 this year, so they're skipping 
a release, which I think is a good idea because I mean the the investment in this stuff is pretty expensive. Uh, you know, a new game, a new you know playset and figures and everything else. Um, so one of the things that they're going with is they're coming up with this thing called Marvel Battlegrounds, and the set comes out. It's got a new play piece, uh, and the figure they've already released a Captain America figure as a part of the 2.0 initial release, but the the 3.0 figure and I, we've talked about this before, or I've talked about it in the podcast at least, is clearly modeled after Chris Evans and his. Uh, Civil War version of Captain America, um, you know, down to the costume with the brown gloves and the more blue than red on the main costume and the boots and everything. And he's kind of holding the shield uh, in front of him in kind of that classic, you know, like the first Avenger, you know, pose that that he had with the mm-hmm. shield. Um, and they're also incorporating more movie versions. The reason I kind of bring it up on the show is is because they're, the versions of the characters they're bringing in seem clearly more inclined to the movie versions than the comic book versions. Uh, so we're getting an, an Ant-Man figure, a Black Panther figure, again, that looks very much like what we've seen of T'Challa in Civil War. There's going to be a Vision uh, figure that comes in, again, very much modeled after the Vision from Age of Ultron. Uh, as well as they're going to bring in, uh, there's a, a, a black costume Spider-Man, which I think was like an exclusive at one point, that figure was, uh, for the PSP version or something like that, maybe. Uh, and it wasn't widely available. But uh, a new set of power discs, stuff like that. But the Battlegrounds thing is more like a, uh, I guess, kind of like a Smash Brothers, like a Mario Smash Brothers, you know, where... They set up these environments and you bring the characters in and then you pretty much your goal is to try and defeat everyone and be the last man standing. Uh, The environments are interactive, so it's almost kind of like a fighting game where the environments, uh, you know, you can crash through walls and crash through floors and move to a whole nother, you know, section of the level. And uh, there's interactive buttons that you push that that do kind of crazy things. And there's different modes. There's kind of like a King of the Hill mode and, you know, almost like a capture the flag kind of, kind of mode. And then just a general all out brawl mode. Um, some of the power disc stuff, instead of being physical pieces that you put on the playset, it'll actually be in the, uh, in the game that you collect. And then you have to wait until they power up and kind of induce a bunch of super moves and stuff. So there'll be characters in there, you know, like Bucky and, uh, you know, the Nova core and stuff like that. So it's, it's really cool. There's a lot of video out there. Um, I, I actually saw it on giantbomb.com. They do this thing called unprofessional Fridays and they had John Vignocchi come in, uh, from Disney and show it off. And they actually played a little bit And it. I think it's going to be an, a neat addition to the game and, and kind of bring it into where I think adults or older, older, you know, people can, can play it and kind of enjoy it more than the base game, which is kind of, uh, more geared, I think, towards children. Um, not that it's a bad thing, but I, that's just the way it is. And this this could be a good, like, have a few friends over, everybody grab a controller, um, and you can just kind of, uh, uh, you know, start beating each other up. It, it does four-play simultaneous, so I'm not sure if you have to hook two power pads up at the same time to put the figures on, because the, fig- the pad only holds two. Uh, it doesn't hold four. Um, and then they also have a, a, as you play more of it, there's like a trial mode. So if you don't own the physical figure, you could actually try out the, the figure in the game to kind of get a feel for how they'll play out. Um, so if, you know, if you want to, you know, try it before you buy it kind of thing, which is something very new to the infinity thing as well. So, um, so I'm glad they're, they're doing more with the infinity thing. I think it's a really cool thing. Like I said, if you, if you've got kids, uh, it's very, 
Uh, it's very kid friendly. I mean, especially like ages, I would say like six or seven through, you know, 12 or 13. I think they'd get a real kick out of kick out of it. And, um, the Disney stuff is pretty cheap if you can find it. You know, those figures, you can usually get them for now less than like six or seven bucks uh, because the two point, most of the Marvel stuff is all 2.0 and they're, they're kind of phased out. Uh, so you can you can find the, a lot of those figures like super, super cheap. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, you know, there was sort of like this big thing that's happening in games now where, especially like kids games where you have to buy like all these extra things like these figures and everything, which, you know, and they're kind of combining toys with video games more just sort of like the wave of how, you know, a lot of toys are probably going to go. So it's, you know, a smart move um, for them generating like revenue and giving you more things to invest in. So it makes sense that they're probably kind of realizing like, oh, you know, it's not just kids who are into this. So let's um, let's make something that the kids could still play, but that will be a little more appealing to adults so that, you know, more people are not only buying this game, but are buying these figures. Yeah, and the, so. and the figures are really cool. I mean, if you're into collecting yeah, figures, they look really neat. the sculpts are very, very well done. I mean, if, and for 10, you know, if you buy them new, they're like 12, 13 bucks. Uh, and they, they're on sale all the time. If, you, if, you, if you're patient, you can see them at Best Buy. They're, you know, buy one, get one half off or, you know, buy two for 20 or something like that. Um, but the molds are very, very well done. I mean, they're a little more on the cartoony side, but they're just, they're really nice. It's a cool nice. design though. Yeah. It's they're, a, they're very, the, the very one of Venom, I especially have been eyeing. Yeah. I don't, I don't have this system, but I've definitely, you know, I talked to you about how I've, I've definitely been interested in just buying some of them as just like little figures. Cause I love like Funkos and yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like a cool addition and, and the green goblin one and the Venom one that I've seen are especially cool. And the, you know, there's of course all the star Wars stuff that they came out with, which, uh, is all really cool. So yeah, I mean, they're definitely neat, um, neat looking figures. Yeah. The whole buster is probably my favorite of all of them. It's, it's yeah, really awesome. Cool one too. Um, but I pretty much got, I think I have them almost all of them, uh, for the, for the Marvel side, at least I think I'm missing, I'm missing like, uh, I think I'm missing rocket. I'm missing Spider-Man and green goblin and Loki. And Falcon, and I think I've got like all the rest of them. Like I said, I've I picked most of them up for uh, for pretty cheap, you know, less than less than ten dollars. Most of them five or six bucks because they're kind of blowing out the two stuff. So if you look online, yeah. you can you can definitely find them. So uh, worth checking yeah, out. Cool, worth checking yeah. out. That's enough toy talk for this episode. <laughs> uh, so we'll get into the nitty gritty. Uh, so Agents of Shield. Season three, uh, the episode's called Bouncing Back, which, given the character they introduced, I think is a very fitting title for the episode. Mm. Um, character we've been looking forward to for quite some yep. time in Yo-Yo Rodriguez, who I think that's what they're going for her code name uh, as a as opposed yeah, to Slingshot. Yeah, Slingshot, yeah. yeah, which is fine. I mean, it's, it's one of those weird – I mean, in the comics, I don't believe – I don't think she has a first name. I think Yo-Yo is her name. I mean, the show, they're calling her Elena. Yeah. Um, and her nickname being Yo-Yo that, you know, Mac gives her. And it's interesting because they haven't actually called Daisy Quake yet, but he's called her Trimmers a lot. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like they're creating these, like, side nicknames or something. But, yeah, it seems like instead of uh, Slingshot, they're going with Yo-Yo, which, you know, makes sense. It's a very similar principle, and it, it's kind of weird that she sort of has, like, two nicknames that mean the same thing anyway. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yo-Yo is what she's normally known by. So, and I will say, I just just did a write up on her character from the comics, 
they came out yesterday, I think, for MCU Exchange. So if you're not familiar with the character, um, you should go check that out. Yeah, definitely. Just break down uh, her history a little more and and all that. But yeah, she's really cool. I they did a really cool job with uh, with how they interpreted her interpreted her for the show. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, the 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 biggest thing with this episode is we get the start of what's going to be a mystery. Uh, for the rest for this back half of the season i think you know uh, prior to you know to you know last season kind of had a lot to do with with um you know uh the first half of the season had a lot to do with uh with simmons being trapped in the other universe or the other world i should i should say and so now this is going to be uh so the cold open we see what looks like the inside of a quinjet floating in space uh, it's clearly floating in space because there's like blood that's kind of dr- in droplets that's floating, and we it it pans back, and we see uh, an obvious shield agent. We don't know who uh, that's floating. Are they dead? Are they alive? You know what's going on? Uh, it's the older shield logo. It's I don't know if you notice it's the bird logo and not yeah. the not the new like angular logo. Right. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Which we haven't really seen anybody wear a uniform that looks like that. No, so, we haven't. Uh, so I'm wondering if that's maybe even like a future logo or I don't know. Maybe it's somebody that's been stuck up there for a while. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Um, so that's kind of the big mystery. Uh, and then, Well, and then it, it sort of gets like engulfed in flames. I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that. It, oh, yeah, yeah. Like right as it pans back, like these flames come up. So I... I it was hard to tell whether it was just panning back to flames on the ship oh, okay. or whether the ship like blew up. Um, so it was a little vague. And we also got a shot of a, of yo-yos. We don't know it's hers at the time, but her cross necklace um, oh, okay. that she wears later in the episode. Yeah. Before we see the shield logo, her necklace is like floating. It was kind of dark. It was hard to see, but it's definitely uh, her necklace. And the producers afterwards said that that was, her necklace, but that doesn't mean that that's her. Sure. In there. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's sort of uh, again the producers actually alluded to this being like the Arrow, uh, you know, at the beginning of season four of Arrow, they had the grave flash forward. Yeah. And so this is sort of the same, you know, thing. Like somebody maybe is going to die. Who's it going to be? What's the setup? And yeah, we, you know, obviously we probably won't know until the finale. Yeah, but they're clearly in space, which is interesting. Definitely, yeah. Which I don't know that we've known that the Quinjets can go into space. Yeah, I don't think they've kind of one of those things they haven't confirmed nor denied that <laughs> they could go yeah, into space. Yeah, but if they can, then maybe that's how Hulk gets uh, off world. Could be. <laughs> is that Quinjet he was in? So then after that, we cut. Uh, president Ellis, uh, William Sadler's President Ellis, uh, appears pretty prominently in this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, his goal, you know, he's he's kind of come in recognition of Coulson. I thought it was interesting that they decided to meet at, um, at Rosalind's, at Rosalind's yeah. house. You know, the, here's the president sitting in this house where this person was killed. Yeah, that was a little, it was a little weird, but, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. They, you know, they wanted the emotional weight of Coulson being back in the house. and Yeah. Yeah, you know, gotta I guess suspend our disbelief that the president's just like rolling up to some random neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I'm watching House of Cards, so it kind of <laughs> it felt maybe slightly that it would work because yeah. you know, the president seems to be able to do things without people knowing on that show too. Yeah. Um, but uh, so Colson and the president kind of have this discussion, and uh, Colson almost gets for a minute the impression that maybe the president is going to reinstate Shield, and uh, and yeah. the president says, "Well, the you know the public has a very short memory, but not quite that short." Uh, yeah, which makes sense. I mean, yeah. the, it's only been two years basically a year and a half in universe yeah since the whole shield thing happened so it, it makes total sense like that's that's nothing you know that's not even an election cycle right uh for people to forget all that craziness so yeah i mean makes sense but he is going to keep the atcu on but uh find a new leader for the atcu and basically colson would be in charge of that division as well yeah it's like a front yeah which I thought was kind of cool. And given where we get to the end of the episode, I kind of saw it mm-hmm. coming, but I, I still... Oh, really? I, yeah. I, I didn't... I, I wasn't really, like, thinking too much about yeah. it. Um, but great, great choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we see now, again, that Joey Gutierrez is a full member of the team. I, kinda, I, I really like that they brought him into the fold. Yeah. You know, again, now that Andrew isn't there to kind of... Um, you know, poo-poo everybody's uh, assignments. That they, they they're kind of free to do what they want. And Daisy's really kind of taking a leadership role and asserting yeah. her authority. And we t- we talked about this before, and and it started to kind of become an issue at the end of uh, before the break. You know, that she was kind of coming into her own. And Colson mm-hmm. himself is even you know him and May kind of have this conversation where it's like, uh, you know, sometimes you got to delegate and step back, which is you know Colson has been on the front lines, in the thick of it, making sure he gives all the orders and being very hands-on yeah. with everything. It's, it's a very different approach for him. Yeah, yeah. Which makes sense. He had a pretty, uh, you know, he had a pretty big uh, series of things happen in his life that I could see, you know, him reevaluating things and questioning things from Rosalind's death to him killing Ward. So, yeah, yeah it... Uh, makes sense and it's it's nice it gives uh like you said it gives these other characters a chance to sort of step into new roles yeah back at the hq we see that things between fitz and simmons have kind of grown somewhat cold uh especially with fitz Mm -hmm. Uh, he sees simmons working with lincoln a little more to kind of get some more information about inhumans and who they are and what they do and you know being that Gemma's, uh, you know more on the on the medical side of things than the technology side of things, it makes sense that she'd be working with Lincoln. Um, but, but you could definitely tell that since, since they've all come back that there's, there's a distance between Fitz and Simmons. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, by the end of the episode, obviously they sort of like, uh, aired out, which I was glad of because yeah. to me, it felt a little like, uh, haven't we already seen this before? Exactly. exactly. And so I'm glad they didn't, it makes sense. Obviously some stuff happened. They couldn't not feel some way about it, but I'm glad that it's not, you know, another few episodes of them not talking instead of just all they have to, you know, it's just a TV trope, but if characters would just like talk, then they would instantly be fine. So, so I'm glad that they, they do. Um, It felt a little unnecessary to wait the whole episode to get there, but you know, yeah, but as long as it's not dragging on. Yeah, and we talked about that on this show does a particularly good job of taking things that would that are typical TV tropes that you'd kind of roll your eyes at and yeah. doesn't drag that stuff out as as much yeah. as other shows do. Yeah, Shield and Agent Carter are both really good at that yeah. and 
and yeah and i always always appreciate that yeah yeah <laughs> as an audience member <laughs> yeah did you notice the 3d printer that was going on in the background like is that what was building the hand i'm assuming so yeah yeah i just noticed this 3d printer that was going going berserko in the background doing something and they purposely didn't close up on it enough or or let it was very early stages because whatever it was building was very uh was, mm-hmm. you know very you know there were only a few layers that were done at that point but i thought it was kind of cool because this thing is kind of going nuts uh, yeah i'm something. guessing that was probably making the sort of like artificial skin yeah yeah. For uh, Colson's uh, new hand, yeah, I like the uh, the powers discussion that Bobby and Hunter had, where they both admit yeah. to, it's like, yeah, we both took the fish oil. Why wouldn't you take the fish yeah, oil? Of course you would. Yeah, of course you would. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you know, there's you know, I was thinking about it. It's like, well, even if you don't want the powers, and of course, Mac looks weirdly disgusted, which is he's still got this sort of weird prejudice yeah. um, against the Inhumans. But it's like, well, if you're an Inhuman, you're an Inhuman. There's nothing you can do to change that. Like, it's already there. So, and obviously, one way or another, at some point in your life, it's going to get revealed. So it just sort of seems like if there's a way that right now you can find out one way or another whether you are this this thing instead of waiting, you know, 20 years for it to just, like, randomly happen, you know, you might as well try it. Yep. Because... If you take it and nothing happens, then then boom, you know that you don't have to expect any sort of weird transformation anywhere in your life. And if it does happen, well, you might as well get used to it now because, I mean, that's who you are, you know. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, of course you would. <laughs> yeah. And Hunter's like a guy that's like clearly if there's a sign that says, do not push this button, Hunter's the guy that's going to push that button. Yeah, you and know. if there's a sign that's like, hey, free power, you know, <laughs> yeah. of course he's going to, you know, I mean, it's a, to him, it's another weapon, it's a leg up in the, the battle, and, you know, it makes sense, you're a super spy, like, if there's a potential that you could all of a sudden have superpowers to even the playing field, like, yeah, you would take it, because as you can see, even though Hunter and especially Bobby are super capable, obviously it just takes, you know, one inhuman to completely incapacitate them both. Yeah. And I love that Mac is just like, you two deserve each other. <laughs> yeah. Just like, just kind of shaking his head and walking away. So Yeah, he's like, you two, go get a spinoff. Yeah. <laughs> he might as well have said that. Yeah. Yes. Um, so then we cut down to uh, Columbia, I guess it is. And, and Yeah, Bogota. Yeah, Bogota. And we're introduced to Yo-Yo Rodriguez, who... Uh, so the military is having these weapons stolen. They think it's you know somebody that's stealing the weapons to you know to use them, but they can't figure it mm-hmm. out. They can't see who's doing it. They don't they don't know what's going on. Obviously, we know it's it's yo yo. Um, so the shield team goes down there. They get into this encounter, and she comes up against Mac and actually is able to knock a, you know take his gun, knock him out. Um, and bring him back to her apartment or wherever she's living and chain him up to her sink. Yeah, which was a nice um, – I, I wish that Hunter could have seen him in that position because uh, yes. that's what he did to Hunter last uh, <laughs> yes. season. <laughs> so yes. now he knows what it's like. Yes, and I love when uh, when Daisy comes out and she's like, how do you lose someone as big as Mac? Like how, yeah. how, does, this, how does he disappear? Uh, so I thought that was kind of funny. and. I I really like the Mac and Yo-Yo stuff because I think it was good. It was really they, good, um, especially again because he's normally like anti-power. So it was nice to see him. Yeah, you know, you know, 
respect her like humanity. And it was it was interesting too because they decided to go with her character that she's full like she she speaks extremely little English like yeah know, which I appreciated yeah sure it, I mean growing again, up in, in Colombia the you, scope of the yeah. of the show that it's not just all a bunch of like Americans running right. around like here's a character from another country and there's this sort of breakdown in communication and you know there's a couple funny moments there's a couple tense moments because of that and yeah and it and and again it ties her deeper into her cause which sure. is you know fighting like for her people right. so. And contrary to what most Americans think, everybody that lives in a foreign country do, don't all speak English. <laughs> right. Exactly. Which, which was another nice thing. It's yeah. like, yeah, like you, Mac doesn't speak Spanish. She doesn't speak English. Right, like right. it's, it's a, you know, it makes sense. So, and, and again, it was it, maybe a happy coincidence or I, I doubt they planned this out too much because of this, but it, it gives Joey an opportunity to to connect because yes. he speaks Spanish. So yes. it shows a different side of him, shows another side of his culture. It it allows them to, you know, connect instead of just getting some sort of like translator, you know, thingy. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was a good moment to it was a good way to let them all sort of bond. You know, she meets Daisy and Joey, who are also inhumans. Joey speaks her language. Her and Mac have this moment and then. Um, yeah, so it was a great way for like the team to almost instantly like coalesce. Yeah. Do you think that's why they cast her as older? Because maybe she could be a potential love interest for Mac or at least if yeah, she's definitely, yeah. Cause that's one of the things that struck me at first. I mean, I'm not trying to be ageist, but you know, you, no, just no. knowing her from the comics, she's very young. I mean, she's probably right. a teenager in the comics, maybe early, yeah, I th- maybe I 20. Think- I think so. But Sky's also like, like 18. Sure. Like, I'm sure. sorry, not Sky Daisy is is like 18 uh you know perpetually in the comics right yeah which is always a sort of weird thing because she doesn't act or look or anything like an 18 year old but right they constantly refer to the fact that she's like basically a kid um and you know obviously daisy's younger in the show but you know she's in her mid-20s but right yeah i would imagine you you know the actress lola um who played yo-yo uh Natalie Cordova Buckley, I think is her name. Yes. Um, Looked like maybe she was, you know, closer to Max age, maybe in their 30s, something like that. So yeah, she's she's born in 82. So she, the actress herself is 34. Okay. I, yeah. I, I know that that Henry Simmons is he's older. He's like late 40s, I think. Yeah. He's he's got to be an older guy. Yeah. 46. Um, so. Um, um, yeah. So, I mean, I think so, because I don't know. Having her be young could have been an interesting opportunity. Because it, it could have added in the idea that she still doesn't know what's going on. Um, could have been a layer there. But, you know, they, they went with somebody who, and this could be for multiple reasons, because having her be older gives her a little more, like, sense of conviction. Sure, um, sure. And she definitely knows what she's doing. She's very capable. She's not, she understands her powers, um, which was nice, because it, it sort of provides a contrast to Joey, who is a little more sort of naive and understanding things. So... So there's a good contrast there, and and yeah, I definitely think uh, sets up a potential love interest for Mac because that hasn't really been a thing on the show, and not that it has to, but you know, it's um, it's an interesting pairing, especially because he's generally kind of against powers, yet he obviously like connects with her instantly, and there's a, a cultural and language difference between them, so that creates a lot of opportunities for story and stuff. So yeah, I I thought they had good chemistry together. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So it's cool. It's a cool. Um, 
I, I definitely think that we were supposed to pick up on that. <laughs> yeah. The other big thing for me that came out of this episode, and I made sure to put it in my notes, was uh, the conversation they had about the powers not being random. That yes, you know that um, that Lincoln says that you know because they kept thinking, oh well, just you know, spin the wheel when you get exposed to the to the t- to terogenesis and what power you have. And he's like, no, it's not really that way. Like it, it's meant to be a balance to to fix an inequity somewhere, and and so that there's more to it than he couldn't. It's like he couldn't really explain it, but but he was told right. that. You know, there is a reason that you as an individual get this specific power and you as an individual get this specific power. It's, it's meant to, to create some sort of balance or to, to, you know, combat something. Yeah. And I think um, he, there's actually an interview he did a few days ago, um, the actor um, Luke Mitchell, who um, he said that one of the things we're going to see with Lincoln this season is him explaining why the people in afterlife who were chosen to go through terogenesis were chosen. So, you know, clear, obviously it's something they haven't really delved into in the show, but he was there for a long time. So there's, there must be a good deal of information that they haven't decided to display on screen that he has. And it was interesting how he so casually drops that, you know, like, yeah. Oh no, there's a reason. And yeah. Almost like, like, why he... haven't you revealed? Why haven't you like, yeah been debriefed with all this knowledge you have about terogenesis and afterlife and all this stuff. Yeah. He almost felt like they were silly to even suggest the fact that right. This, this was random. Yeah. And, and it's something that we haven't necessarily seen in the show and they, he didn't exactly explain it like this, but in the comics, when, when the terogen bomb goes off and obviously it's a very different situation, but still, you know, all these people all of a sudden go through terogenesis. A lot of the ones that were shown in, in a lot of the comics, um, it's something pretty specifically related to who they are. Yeah. So in the show, it doesn't seem to be like this. And he explained it more as an evolutionary thing. And I don't know that we've really seen somebody so far have like a really explicit, like tie with their powers to like who they are. But in the comics, that was a really big thing, almost to a sort of like silly point in a way. Yeah. <laughs> that like a, I think there was someone who hated modern technology, and she became like living electricity. And there was somebody who was a dancer, and she got these crazy like tendrily dance powers or something, <laughs> and yeah. s- different things like that. So um, a little too on the nose. Definitely, but um. So I mean, obviously, the show's not doing that, but but again, it. it it sort of plays into the idea that there is a precedent for it not necessarily being random. Yeah. Uh, the machine is back, so they use mm. they use the machine, and on so is von Strucker, von Strucker Jr. Yeah. Uh, which again I thought was interesting, and I love that you know Coulson, you know, he says that this terrifies me as well. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. take it lightly what he's going to put him through. Right. Uh, and and that was a kind of interesting sequence where he kind of got stuck on a memory and Lincoln had to step in and give him a jolt to <laughs> to kind of uh, figure it out. Yeah, which was an interesting, again, the idea that Lincoln like is a doctor. Yeah. Um, and that maybe his electricity thing could somehow be linked to that. I, I thought that was an interesting use of it. Um, I hope they sort of explore that idea more. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I was sort of wondering if, the machine and Lincoln's jolt would would sort of be like maybe we're going to see in the future. Obviously, they kept him around for a reason. Maybe we're going to see in the future like him 
kind of come out of his catatonic state, uh, Von Strucker, that is, uh, because of the sort of stuff rattled around in his head. Right. And that maybe he'll be, you know, a little more deranged or something, so. And he was pretty much used as a plot device as to how to get to Malik, because now... Right, 100%. Yeah, Coulson is... His main objective, you know, while Daisy's main objective is let's round up some more people, let's build this team, let's flesh this out while we fight these threats, Coulson's kind of singularly focused on I need to find Gideon Malik for obvious Mm -hmm. reasons. Uh, And so he's willing to go this far to try and locate him. And so they kind of find this very James Bondy, you know, Mission Impossible style. Yeah, you know, which room. is good. It is a spy show after all. Yeah, yeah. So Every I thought once that in a while, cool. it's a spy show. Yeah. Yeah, and um, this my favorite moment of the whole episode was this, you know, it's this really tense thing, him like going into this room and is what's going to be in there and then he gets to this phone and, you know, what's going to be on the other end and then that like hold music. Yes. <laughs> while he's just sort of yes. waiting there on hold. It's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a, a great way to like offset like the tension with sure. comedy. He has to leave his hand behind. I mean, it's just it's really yeah. right. That was another yeah. That yeah. was another good moment. Just sort of like no explanation. Just like takes his hand off. The other guys, the guys, just like okay. whatever. <laughs> One <laughs> yep, of these put guys your hand again. In the box. Yeah. So yeah, it was cool. And so they're able to kind of pinpoint, not necessarily, uh, Mal. Uh, like not, base. not necessarily yeah. Malik himself, but but all is. Uh, yeah, some of his like spot. side bases or something. Yeah, basically, the, you know, the, the, I guess the thinking is the communication goes through all these different places, and May's on the other end mapping it all out. So, right, and then later we find out that Malik had to shut down a bunch of his like uh, business holdings, yes. essentially, um, because like Ellis says at the beginning, like he's a very connected yes. person, so he's clearly some big time businessman, political leader. We know he was on the World Council. Um, so yeah, he basically has to take a hit of a bunch of money by closing a bunch of his businesses because I guess we can assume they were fronts or that shield was going to at least raid them or something. So, and potentially expose them. So, I mean, there's that scene where it's like new, you know, financial news in the background and you can see a stock took like a, a, Mm -hmm. a, a pretty decent hit. So, uh, you know, of course all this time he is hard is harboring hive Zombie war, right. however you, whatever you want to call him, who uh, apparently has a thing for raw meat. Yeah, well, and well, that's what I was thinking. But it looked like there was also a couple pies on the table. Yeah, well, you know, you I saw some raw meat. <laughs> right, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, okay, he has to eat like raw meat, and maybe he's gonna like eat people at some point. But then there was just like a couple of pies he had eaten too, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you have all that protein. That was... You gotta have a little sugar to, to sure, sure. It out. I didn't know if that was like a little joke or I don't know what that was supposed to be. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was definitely creepy. Him like gnawing on that. Yeah, like raw chicken leg. <laughs> yeah. While he's like watching his, and I loved how every we go in that room three times, and every time there's three times as many. T- there was one TV, then there's three TVs, and there was nine TVs. Yeah. Um, which I think the producers kind of talked about him having the ability to like access the memories of all the people he's like inhabited. Yeah, yeah. They and have he's also that. like consuming, um, you know, information on what's happened since he's been away. So, uh, which kind of plays into the name Hive, you know, like sort of this hive of all this information and knowledge and stuff. And and he's so, obviously uh, healing and getting stronger. And 
Right. He's pretty weak when we first see him, and yeah. Malik even is surprised when he finds out that he's spoken. Yeah. Um, he's kind of got this I really guess makes... weird cadence to his voice, too. It's it's definitely not Ward. Right. And, and uh, Brett Dalton's talked about that, how it's like, you know, the Ward we know is gone. Um, but obviously he's still in the same body. So, you know, I mean, he still looks like Brad Dalton. So obviously they've done a lot of makeup stuff and, and his other thing was, you know, trying to like, he says he's trying to have like a different stature and a different way of talking and stuff because you know, there's only so much he can do to differentiate himself. So, but I, I think he's doing a pretty good job. I mean, I definitely, even though he obviously like looks like Brad Dalton, I, I sort of was instantly able to not think of him as ward oh sure think of him Absolutely. as like this new thing so so i mean they you know everybody did, did a good job with that yeah so they they find a way to catch yo-yo which i thought was interesting when they open the door and there's just this barrier that that kind of knocks her out and they put her in the containment cell and and bring her back that was a really cool special effect when she tries to get out of the containment cell yeah and she's just sort of like staring at them yes. but also zipping around yeah yes. that looks it was it was neat and also frightening yeah yeah it was pretty cool uh one of the things we learned about her powers and i don't i don't think this is the case in the comics that she can travel only as far away as one heartbeat yeah it's not um you know the snapping back to where she came from is you know so, so she's not like Quicksilver who can just right, move around right. very fast. Yes. Like she can go one place really fast and then she just snaps back. And it looks like in the show it appears because, you know, there's a couple of slow motion scenes. It looks like she snaps back, you know, like 10 times as fast as she can even go yes. forward. Yes. It's almost instantaneous. Um, yeah. Yeah. So which is interesting. I don't know if that's something she'll ever play with. Like if she can go f- that fast backwards, like, Maybe she can control that forward. But yeah, I think it was a good little twist. It, it makes her powers not like invincible by having her be able to do everything super yeah, fast. Yeah. Like she has like a, a finite amount of that she can travel. So it's more that she can kind of like rocket forward and then jump back as opposed to just kind of like, you know, running around and causing whatever damage, you know. Right. And it was a cool effect. I mean, we've seen speed. Obviously, we saw it in Age of Ultron and some people, you know, were up on it or not. Uh, we saw it with uh, X-Men Days of Future Past. We see it on The Flash all the time. Mm-hmm. And I thought that this was a pretty good uh, representation of it. I mean, you know, yeah, it TV was a good, budget. It was a good twist on it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. It, it looked cool. I mean, having her do the sort of snapback is good because all you have to do is have sort of like some wind blow and then all of a sudden she's back where yeah, she was. Yeah. But then they did a couple scenes in the slow motion. And again, that scene in the containment queue was really neat. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's only so many ways you can depict speed and yet – I feel like every one of these comic book versions of a speedster we've seen, uh, and even within the Marvel universe, like they've done a good job of making them look unique as much as they can. So, so then we, on the, the bad guy side of, of the equation here, uh, part of the Colombian police, they have somebody that almost seems like Gorgon. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I wasn't sure which given the secret warriors thing is sort of an interesting, where he ends up at the end is, is a little interesting, especially since he's a Wolverine villain. I mean, he first popped up in mm-hmm. in Wolverine, so you know, obviously they don't name him. He doesn't really look like no. Gorgon from the comics, but he has the ability no, to all. 
at least for a certain period of time, turn people to stone, which Bobby. Yeah, he can sort of temporarily paralyze them yeah. with a look. But even they turn gray. Like, I don't know if you. If yeah, you, no, you know. yeah, that that's it was definitely um, it's like not quite stone, but it definitely seems like uh, some version of like petrification or like, yeah, you know, they look a little lifeless or something. So and, you know, Bobby obviously calls him Medusa eyes. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely sort of like a reference to the idea of Gorgon and that would definitely be a cool name. And obviously they changed Hive a ton. Like he looks nothing like yeah, a person. He doesn't look like um, Cthulhu. Cthulhu. Yeah. And, um, what's sort of interesting is in the comics, like Yo-Yo has her arms ripped off yeah. and gets them replaced by cybernetic arms and Gorgon's the one who does it. But, you know, this guy obviously doesn't have like super strength, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the whole the whole thing of combining all these different disparate people into Hydra is what happened in the secret warriors comic. And obviously they're doing their twist on it. So, you know, you've got someone like Malik, you've got someone like hive, you know, it makes sense to at least casually have somebody like Gorgon. Um, and, and it's a cool power. Um, yeah. To have. And, and it's a nice little visual. I mean, he looks like a kind of scary, tough guy. And then the little glasses, gives him a little bit of a crazy look to him so yeah and i like that they kind of beat him you know joey was able to melt the metal around his glasses to yeah to kind of seal them shut so he couldn't uh, do anything another funny bit on the on the show when you know after they kind of resolve everything they find out that you know yo-yo wasn't and her cousin they weren't stealing the weapons to hoard them for themselves for some sort of revolution they were literally throwing them in the river because of the the police and the military are so corrupt yeah. That they were trying to, you know, basically just be like, um, you know, protesters or, you know, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just basically like getting these weapons out of yeah. the hands of people who would use them to like kill innocent people. Innocent people which, yeah. yeah. And especially I think they I think when um, when Daisy and Joey go to investigate, the cop says that that the weapons were for the inhuman threat. Yeah. Um, so you could even view it as the extra step of yo-yo knowing that now they're getting even more weapons in and they're going to be even more gung ho about using them if they see some sort of inhuman threat. So even more reason to like get rid of them. Yeah. And her cousin, I thought just throwing them in the river was sort of a, yeah, not the best way of getting yeah, not the best way to a dispose. very shallow looking river. It yeah. looked like to me too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sure. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but her, her cousin is killed. You know, they kind of have a conflict between the, the military and, and this Gorgon character. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of steals her to, it kind of, that's when kind of both sides reconcile and, and they, it's funny because, uh, Joey has to translate They're They're trying to talk to her about coming into the fold and she goes mm-hmm. through this long winded uh, speech about how, you know, uh, you know, if we're going to go after all these injustices and do all these things and, you know, whatever. And she's like, yes, I'll, I'll fight with you. And, and Joey just looks back at Mac and goes, yeah, she's in. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I definitely, um, I'm not great at hearing Spanish as much as reading it, but I definitely heard Diablo in there. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Obviously more than she obviously said much more than just I'm in, but, uh, yeah, it was, yeah. It, it was great how they sort of sometimes let him speak for her and sometimes had the, uh, you know, translation on the bottom and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. So, so it was really kind of, kind of funny. So, 
But then another big thing that came up is Daisy's deciding that instead of having everybody in one spot, so if they're attacked or whatever, that they could just scoop them all up, that I guess now that the government's kind of officially, unofficially sanctioning S.H.I.E.L.D., that they have some ability to kind of make these people have normal lives and maybe set them up with identities and stuff, that maybe it's a good idea if they want to kind of carry out a normal life and if they need us or we need them, then you know, we can bring them together, you know, as a team and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. just, just kind of use them as we need them instead of having all these people hanging out in one spot. So it was kind of an interesting, interesting way to do it because, you know, sure. The the whole point is to kind of build this team, but yet at the same time, she's allowing them to, to not be together all the time. So, yeah, it's one of those things that like makes a little bit of sense in the show and that having like operatives kind of all around, but I think obviously makes more sense from a logistics of the show standpoint. Yeah. And that if they have this whole team, that's even more. Shield's already got a lot of characters. That's even more characters we have to focus on. That's more people who have to be paid for every episode to appear versus just right. popping up in guest star roles. Um, and I think obviously they want to have more and more inhumans pop up. So if every single one of them just instantly join the team, the cast is just going to get enormous. Um, so it allows them to sort of mix and match. Like, you know, I'm sure, you know, they'll go on missions and they'll have one of them, you know, or a couple of them or whatever. And they don't have to have everybody at once. And they can kind of save that for maybe like the finale when they like pull them all together. And, right. Um, so it's a good idea. I mean, it doesn't make a ton of sense in universe, but it makes a lot more sense outside thinking like, okay, like, we can't have these characters be in every episode. We can't have this ever expanding like side thing. Cause then we're going to need another spinoff. Right. Just to handle all the secret warriors, which I, I'd be fine with, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we also get a good, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but to elaborate on it, some Fitz and Simmons kind of hit the reset button this episode. And they kind of have this conversation that like, look, this isn't working. You know, I liked it better when we, first met each other as kids and, you know, went into this crazy world and, you know, we're partners and everything else. And you kind of get the impression that we're getting like Fitzsimmons version 2.0 here where they're going to go back to more of like season one Fitzsimmons, but at the same time probably be romantically connected to each other. Yeah, I think so. Which I I think is really good because, again, it's not the whole – Will they, won't they, they're mad at each other, you know, just this whole, you know, unnecessary drama. And I think what people loved was Fitzsimmons, you know, the season one Fitzsimmons. Obviously, you need to grow the characters. They can't, you know, just stay the same uh, the whole time. So I'm I'm looking forward to getting back to that that we haven't really seen in the last couple seasons. Yeah, I think it could, you know, before they were colleagues with the will they, won't they thing, doing the Fitzsimmons thing, I think – being a romantic couple and adding that layer and still doing the Fitzsimmons thing is really good. Like we get the fun part of them interplaying and working together and like finishing each other's sentences and bickering and all that stuff. But we also get the added sort of, um, you know, character development moments of they're kind of romantically involved in their in between time that adds another layer. And yeah, I, if it's that they're a couple, but they're also, the Fitzsimmons personality from season one. I'm all for that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just have a couple more 
things to on my notes for this episode, and one of them was the May and Colson conversation where Colson talks – he shows off the new hand, which is kind of cool because it looks like real skin. So obviously mm-hmm. this is how they're going to get around him having to wear a glove or wear some crazy sure, hand sure. every episode. But when she touched it, it kind of had that weird like grid pattern on it, which was kind of a cool yeah. effect. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he says that there are bells and whistles to it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine we'll we'll see that come into play. It's like a nice little thing that like he gets to reference not having a hand, and he gets to have like a gadget hand. Yeah, but it also just gets to look like a normal hand. But any, you know, he makes the point again of he's like, yeah, it doesn't feel right, but you know, none of them felt right, and he admits it's it's not the hand, it's me. Like it it's mm-hmm. it's not that this thing is not functioning like it should or doesn't you know doesn't physically feel like a hand. It's it's him, and he starts talking to May about what happened when they went to. Mavith and everything else and I love May just looks at him and says you joined the cavalry and I thought that was a really cool yeah you know thing and, and so I don't know if that part of that is now they're gonna it's kind of foreshadowing that Coulson has changed like May was uh yeah I think so I mean you you know when we started the show obviously he was changed yeah. You know, he's been through some yeah. pretty heavy things. And now I definitely think this is Colson 3.0. You know, I mean, yeah. this is, you know, he's gone through this really heavy, traumatic thing once again. And he he can't quite be the same person. Um, and where he ends up and what that means is, you know, obviously what the you know rest of the season is going to be about. But, yeah, I mean, again, it just sort of strengthens the bond that the two of them have always had. And yeah. That, it's just another way that they understand each other. Yeah. I mean, the only criticism I really had of this episode is just there was not as much May as I like to have. I like I like yeah. a lot of May in my Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And yeah, I would say that day. she I, – I would say that the episode did a really great job considering all that it had to do. I think it was a really great episode. I think it was a really fantastic way to jump back into the show. Yeah. Um, and had a lot of cool action and introduced a lot of new elements and characters. Um, and I think it was, it somehow found time to focus on every single one of the characters, including the new ones, um, and give them like a little mini arc or at least focus on them except May, yeah. which is fine because I imagine probably next episode or the one after that will get pretty heavy focus on her. But I definitely applaud them for finding a way to pretty much check in with almost everybody. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, there's a lot of lingering stuff with May that it, it's kind of a glaring thing that, like, we haven't referenced, you know, everything that's going on with her. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and Andrew and, you know, everything that she's seen and all that. So I imagine it, we'll get to that very soon. Yeah, absolutely. So at the end of the episode, they kind of check back in on, on Hive Ward. And he, he – I think – Malik is kind of surprised that he's rebounding as well. And he's questioning still whether he's ready or not. And Ward just kind of, it's almost like this, it almost felt like his, the skin around his hand was dissolving. Yeah. I don't know what kind of what it is. It was almost like the mummy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like he sort of like, but, but I couldn't tell if clearly he's not leaving Ward's body, but it did seem like the body itself was kind of breaking apart. So I'm not sure, obviously, that it ends before we get a chance to see what exactly he's doing. But And the trailer for next week showed him do that to uh, the Medusa guy as well. Yeah. 
So I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm guessing it's some way of him infiltrating people's minds, maybe controlling people. Maybe Could he's going to be controlling all these inhumans, like sort of like a puppet master. Maybe so. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was weird that it wasn't like he was letting off something. He was actually like coming apart. So yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait until we see a better look at that next week. So um, it was kind of a cool tease. Uh, definitely, and um, yeah, I, I I would assume that that's sort of how they're going to play out the hive thing is that maybe he's sort of like semi controlling all these, all these uh, inhuman characters. they will be his secret warriors. And obviously he's using them in a very different way yeah. than, uh, than Coulson and Daisy are. So then we get the tag at the end of the episode and we find out that uh, the president has put general Talbot, the stash mm-hmm. himself back in charge of yeah. the ATCU. Uh, yeah, which is great. I mean, Adrian Pastars, I love him on the show. Uh, I really like what he does with the character. Um, and the, you know, the interplay between him and Coulson is always fun. So now that he has to report to Coulson, uh, is, you know, just like a, basically a birthday present for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Even though Coulson doesn't seem super happy about it. No, but it's funny because he, you know, and the president even made it seem like, well, he was he spoke complimentary of you like they've they've been at odds but talbot's a military guy and he knows when to respect talent even if he doesn't necessarily agree with with what's going on so yeah and i would almost argue that talbot um almost likes colson more than colson likes talbot probably so from what we've seen even though you would almost think it would be the other way around given their history but um yeah it'll be interesting um to see how it all pans out and from the photos um if you want to see uh some photos from next week i think they're up on mcu exchange you can see uh talbot wearing a bright red komodo or kimono for the next episode nice so because i think they sort of go i think maybe they're going to japan for sort of a world conference on inhumans uh talking to like the international community about them so uh we'll see how some of that pans out next week Agreed. Maybe we'll get the the return of the Talbot Stash Twitter account. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Is that an account? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's an awesome troll account. That's good. Yeah, I remember like the AV Club reviews when he first appeared. We we're just talking about how fake the mustache looked. It was awesome. Um, I, I I would assume he actually grew it out afterwards, but I think when he thought it was just a guest star spot, it was definitely a stick on mustache. Um, so that was the episode. I, yeah. I I liked it quite a bit. I mean, I th- I thought it was a strong comeback. Uh, I think it set things up. I like the the whole mystery aspect of what's going on in space. Uh, I, I'm curious to see how that pans out. Uh, yeah, I I thought it was great. I mean, I I think the show has just continually gotten better and better. And I think um, I thought it was a pretty damn near perfect episode. Um, especially considering, you know, when they come back from a break, there can be a lot of um heavy lifting or it can feel a little deflated, but I thought they really just like hit the ground running and, and did a great job setting everything up. And I'm once again, like instantly hooked and like ready for like more shield. I've been kind of saving up some feedback. I will just do a little feedback section since this episode uh, isn't going to be too, too long. So I'll just kind of go through a few things. I'll do some Twitter stuff first and then we'll look at some Facebook and then uh, we'll, we'll talk about some other stuff. Um, it looks like, uh, Electro Mayhem tweeted back at us a, a while back when I was live tweeting the show, uh, related to Agent Carter and said he thinks it deserves another season, um, more than the first, uh, smart, witty, funny, and a song and dance number, uh, 
and they said plus what does that key unlock which uh obviously we didn't find out yeah um, I tweeted out about uh, Tango and Cash being aliens, and uh, longtime listener Mary Kirk said, as an 80s teen, I would love that. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. Got a couple tweets about the, the news that Agent Carter Season 3 may be a go or not go. I think that's still still kind of up in the air, so we'll we'll have to wait yeah, and see on that. Yeah, nothing, nothing new on that yet. Uh, Randy on Twitter uh, said, Bouncing Back was a strong return for Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary also tweeted back a couple, couple things. She said she loved the way they use their powers together. Uh, we need to see way more of that. I totally agree. Yeah. They, they did a little bit of that in the, um, mid season finale of them like working together. And this was another great example of, it's just a lot of fun, like seeing them like take charge yes. and, uh, especially with like when they break into that, you know, to rescue Bobby and, uh, Hunter. Yeah. It was just really cool seeing how each person uses their abilities. I really loved Quake and Yo-Yo working together. Uh, you know, every time Quake's like a little surprised when like Yo-Yo kind of disarms the person before yeah. Quake has a chance. And then she just sort of like lazily like blasting him out of the way. Uh, and you know, Joey like screwing with her guns and all that. It was great. I, I'm looking forward to like this show having a lot of powered people and, yeah. and seeing what they do together. Uh, she's also a big yo-yo fan. Uh, she said, even with a little bit of time that we saw her in this episode, uh, great writing, great acting. Yeah, she did an amazing job. I, I thought it was a great, great casting choice. Agreed. Stephen Hall said, I'm curious to see more from the three months in the future flash forward. Uh, could this overlap with Civil War? I think we kind of we kind of talked about that. I don't necessarily see that portion of it overlapping with Civil War. No, I think it'll be a little past that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just it's the culmination of whatever they're building towards right now in their own. I mean, that's the thing like shields. It's always going to reference like whatever movies coming out, but they also have their own internal plot. Um, I think the first season, obviously, they coincided um, a bit more. But, you know, I think there's always going to be like a little thread of whatever they're building towards. But I think there's always going to be a bigger like shield focused plot. And so I definitely think that that moment is. I mean, it could it could build off of the chaos of Civil War for sure, um, but I just think that we're really never going to see something like the Hydra aftermath on Shield yeah. again. So I'd be willing to believe that it's 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 not super related to that. The next comment is uh, the stash is coming back. All hail the stash. I think <laughs> we uh, we agree with that. Yep, that was Robert. Uh, Lindsay Cornick says uh, the scene with the secret warriors against the Colombian police was probably one of the most fun sequences I've seen in a while. It was exciting and actually had people with superpowers appear to enjoy saving people and stopping bad guys. Exactly. I think that's the the thing is like they were having fun and the results were positive and they were skilled at what they were doing. And that's always sort of like a refreshing thing to see. And, you know, fun, fun knowing that we're going to get more of that in the future. Uh, Robert Robert Frost also uh, had a comment based on the uh, it was actually from the last episode uh, that I put out there and he he attached a screenshot and it's from season one episode 12 seeds and it's where they show the memorial wall and you kind of see the logos Mm -hmm. change yeah Um, and he says during the podcast you guys had some discussion about when does the SSR become shield he said I used the picture uh, before but I don't know uh, think it was on our show uh, maybe a clue as to when SSR becomes shield. 
and uh, he thinks so looking i looked at the picture i need to I, I need to actually pull this up on the tv and see if i can if i can look at it better but um from the panel that's 1941 to 1965 clearly everything in the top i don't know and there's probably what three six nine twelve it's probably like 15 rows of of people uh that mm-hmm. that they're listing and the first section are clearly all ssr um and then when we get into kind of like the middle third, it's more shield logos than it is SSR logos. Okay. Um, so if the end of that era is 1965 and if they're somewhat sequential, um, you know, I guess it's a 22 year period. So each period's like maybe if you split it into thirds, each one's about eight years, which would take it to somewhere around like 1949 ish. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a guess. So it looks like based on this, things were shield, you know, between, you know, 49 and 50 is, 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 is kind of a, kind of a wild guess at it. Right. Which again, sort of, um, I I don't know. I mean, we've talked in the past about whether the one shot counts and I guess in that, even though it was in 47, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that shield started in 47. It's just that Howard called Peggy up to get it going. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess that's sort of the timetable that we've always assumed. It's somewhere right around the end of the 40s, right at the beginning of the 50s is the transition point. Right. Um, And, you know, we could assume that that's what Agent Carter would build towards if it kept going for a few seasons. Yeah, yeah. If if it jumps ahead like six months every season, you know, that would take it around season five or six that they could wait until it actually went into S.H.I.E.L.D. So, yeah. So that was kind of an interesting little tidbit. I told him. We yeah, would, that's you know, cool. Discuss that on the episode. Um, so I appreciate everybody's feedback. Uh, I think thank to everybody for all the retweets. Uh, when I do live tweet, I, I I always appreciate when I see all the retweets coming in, um, and the follows and everything. So that's all. I appreciate all that. Um, and the last thing I wanted to mention, we got a new iTunes review. Um, the Lonely Wakandan. Love the name. Sweet. Uh, this is from the end of February. So apologize. It's taken us a while to get to it. He says, hey, guys, another great episode and podcast. I have a crazy theory. What if Jack Thompson turns out to be Flash Thompson's grandfather opening the door for Agent Venom down the line? Keep up the good work. Five stars. Um, I am 100% in favor of that theory. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, at some point, we'll see Flash Thompson enter the MCU um, now that Spider-Man's back. Um and, you know, in the comics, he eventually joins the military, uh, gets both of his legs blown off, uh, and then gets equipped by the government, who owns the Venom symbiote, um, with it and takes on a whole new look um, for Venom. And actually, he, that, he's one of my favorite characters. Um, I've always loved Venom, but I got to say, I think that uh, Thompson is Venom, to me, is the like definitive version now because... Um, the look is really cool um, and the story and his character are really great and, and everything I've read with him so far, I'm a little behind because I'm, you know, doing Marvel Unlimited, but I, I really love uh, Flash Thompson as Agent Venom. So yeah, I, I would love to see if, if Venom does pop up in the MCU, I would kind of prefer it to be that version. And so, you know, his grandfather being in the SSR and having been in the military would sort of be a great reason for him to uh, join the military as well, especially if maybe his father did or didn't do. I mean, you know, there's lots you could pull from, but 
I think that would be a really cool, uh, really cool thing if they did that. Yeah. It, the, Tony Moore did the art for that initial run where he gets the, the, the symbiote and it was really mm-hmm. well done. I just, I just, it's really good. I really like the look cause it's kind of like this jacket kind of look. I don't know. I can't, I can't really explain it, but it's, it's really, yeah, well. it's more, it's more fitting to his body. It looks, it's yeah. more like human shaped, but then he's sort of got these like spiky shoulder pads and he's got like guns and stuff and grenades and, but every once in a while he freaks out and goes full on like crazy monster venom. It's, it's really cool. And, you know, obviously Eddie Brock is always like that sort of classic venom and comics usually always at some point revert back to the original things, but he's been going pretty strong as venom for a while. And I think he's a much more compelling character to be venom than Brock is. Yeah. Um, because he's much more of a good guy. And again, it's just a cool twist. I, as much as I love the classic venom look, I kind of prefer this one because it's kind of got all the best elements, um, but some new ones, the new series is pretty good. The, uh, venom space Knight. Yeah. I've been, I can't wait until that pops up on, uh, unlimited or i think it might have just popped up on there but like yeah i think they're only up to issue three so i think it's it's kind of been yeah. trickling out slow so it may be a yeah. little bit but it's it's really good it's just kind of him uh because he was he was teamed up with the with the guardians for a while right. after his his series ended he kind of got folded into the guardians of the galaxy and mm-hmm. so he's kind of spun out from there so he's just kind of like flash thompson running around with the symbiote uh, and he's he's less looking like the uh, like Agent Venom look, but it still kind of has this really cool mask to it. And Ariel Olivetti's doing the art, so he he kind of draws like bulky big guys, um, pretty well. And the art's just fantastic. But it's just him kind of going like planet to planet, just solving problems and and doing yeah, stuff. which it's, which could be a cool way to introduce him, even like yeah. have him be in the Guardians world, which would be really fun. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon that's been going on for a few years, they've got it's a very different version of flash. Like he's still in high school and he's not an alcoholic amputee, uh, veteran. Um, but he has the agent venom look, he's called agent venom. He looks, you know, the same way. Sure. And so, I mean, you know, obviously Marvel's like keen on, on that version of him in some ways. So yeah. Um, I, I think that would be really cool, but given what we talked about at the beginning of the episode, probably unlikely that they're going to make that big of a connection <laughs> as you know, Thompson's kind of a common name and sure. Um, but it'd be a good one. And, you know, he's kind of got the blonde hair, a similar look. He's in the military, New York he lives in. I mean, it's kind of almost like too perfect to not be the case. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, well, it'll be many years before that could pan out, but yeah, I'll, I'll cross my fingers. Yeah. But if anybody's interested, check out that series, uh, Rick Remender and Tony Moore. Uh, it's really good stuff. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. They do some really cool stuff. Um, so that, that about does it for this week. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, I would imagine maybe possibly if something just earth shattering comes out in this trailer tomorrow, maybe we'll pop on at some point in the next day or two just to yak about it for a few minutes. Yeah, we could do that. Um, definitely, but it, it it would have to be something pretty big. I mean, if it's just mostly reused footage and and stuff we've seen before, then I think we'll probably just wait and save that till next week. Um, sure. But, uh, thanks everybody for, checking it out uh head over to mcuexchange.com where you can check out uh all of matthew's work as well as like i said on every friday uh they post up the mcu exchange show which is uh something definitely to check out yeah i want to give a special shout out to um 
so if you want to check out the MCU Exchange show, go to, you know, you can go to mcuexchange.com. You can also check out our YouTube, um, which I don't know, YouTube's a pain, but just type in MCU Exchange on YouTube. Um, and while you're there, um, I, one of the guys who does like all the super cuts, um, Charles, he does like all the really cool super cuts we've did, um, including the like Civil War, Road to Civil War trailer he made recently on the site. Uh, we're starting work on a new series called MCU Top 10. Um, and so I wrote and narrated and he did all the video editing and we did the top 10, uh, best fights in the MCU. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so go check that out. Um, it's like my first time doing something like that and he did an amazing job like editing it together and there's some honorable mentions and it, it was really hard to pick. So we were talking about like, we'll definitely probably do more of these fight ones include and just more of these like top 10 ones in general. But yeah, go check that out on the MCU exchange, YouTube, um we're we're starting to put a lot more like original content on there um on top of like all the articles and stuff on the site so fantastic and you can find out more of what i'm doing over at hhwlod.com where we've got the walking dead tv podcast that comes out weekly uh we pretty much are in full walking dead mode with fear the walking dead coming back immediately after the walking dead ends uh so you can definitely check that out and all the other podcasts that we have going on over there um and again, everybody, thanks for the feedback. Uh, check out facebook.com slash MCU podcast. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at MCU underscore podcast. Um, and I should be live tweeting next week. I think I'll be okay. I may be out the following week out of town. Uh, but as long as I'm in town and nothing crazy is going on, I will usually live tweet the episodes. Uh, so definitely check that out. And we will be back next week. So thanks again, everybody, for listening to It's All Connected.